Who comes to mind when you think of a confident person? Maybe The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. He seems like a pretty, pretty confident fella. Tom Brady. Ooh, I didn't get any booze from that. <laughs> Little under, undertone of booze there. Confident people typically don't exude fear. They, they don't have fears. They, they know who they are. And they don't struggle with worrying about what other people think of them. And I think when it comes to confidence, there's two types of confidence. There is first a self-reliant confidence, a self-trust maybe, or self-dependent. That could be good in some cases, but it can be bad in other cases. Years ago, before we started Novation, um, we used to play a lot of adult baseball. So we'd play on high school fields, literal hardball baseball. And all growing up in Little League, high school, and college, we always used aluminum bats, right? So you can hit the ball harder and farther with an aluminum bat. That's why you don't want major leaguers using aluminum bats. They'd kill people out there as far as hard as they hit it. And so in this old man league that I was in, and we would use wood bats. And I had never hit a home run with a wood bat. Always was with, you know, I wasn't a great home run hitter to start with, but aluminum bats. And so we're playing at Arvada High School, and I'm on deck, and Janelle's sitting in the stands. And I said, I'm going to hit a home run for you. She goes, okay. I had never hit a home run with a wood bat. So I get up first pitch. What do you think happened? Wait a minute. No, over the left field fence. Thank you for your confidence in me. <laughs> Boom, hit this pitch, goes over the left field fence, and I come trotting around in my home run trot, and I looked at Janelle as I hit third base, and she goes, that was pretty hot. <laughs> I said, who to man? She said, you to man. So anyway, God blessed my bat for whatever reason there to impress my wife, so it was fun. But that can be, you know, there is a good confidence that comes from experience. Like my very first sermon, look it up in the Guinness Book of World Records. It's the worst sermon ever preached. I preached to a group of high school kids, and I prepared so hard, had all these illustrations, and I stood up there and I was like, and, and Jesus likes you a lot, and um, you should trust him, and um, thanks. I mean, that was, it was bad. It was really, really bad. But experience, the more you do something, the more your gift that God has given you. You can become confident in it. Not overly confident, but not confident in yourself, but confident because of God. And I really believe that's the the best kind of confidence is the second type, which is trusting in the reliability of someone else. That's called God confidence. When you're trusting in, in God and in, in, that he is reliable, that's God confidence. That's gospel confidence. We're uh, finishing a series today, I can't believe it, finishing a series that we've been doing called Music to Live By, where we've been in the Psalms for I think this is the eighth week. We've taken selections from the Psalms. The Psalms are beautiful prayers and, and poetry and prophecy about Jesus. And it's just 
praise and worship, and it would have been Jesus's prayer book. I love when I'm reading the Psalms to think Jesus would have sang these Psalms. They would have been his, his playlist, so to speak. And it just really gives a window into the human condition and our relationship with God and being real. There was something floating there, sorry. That being real with God and being real with ourselves, and, and I love that about the Psalms. And so today, we're going to do Psalm 139. You're probably familiar with a lot of Psalm 139. But before I get into that, I want to read a pass, uh, two verses out of Psalm 71 that David wrote. He also wrote our psalm for today. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth, I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. Did you catch that? You're my hope, my confidence. I've relied on you. That confidence is trusting in the reliability of God. That's having what God confidence is. And if you think about David, you know, when he was a young boy, a shepherd boy, he was overlooked by everybody. People didn't see a king. They didn't see, they didn't see a warrior. They saw this little shepherd boy. And yet we know from the scriptures that David fought off lions and other wild beasts to take care of his sheep, let alone was he the one that was willing to take on the big bully Goliath. When all of Israel were quaking in their boots, this little shepherd boy had confidence in God and not in himself, and he took down Goliath. What an amazing thing. So from this psalm, we're going to see how to have God confidence, not self-confidence, but God confidence. And anybody who learns how to walk in God confidence, you can do whatever God calls you to do. You learn how to do that. First thing I want you to write down is this, pursue real intimacy. Pursue real intimacy. The word intimacy, I like to think of it as, as this. You open the, the curtains of your heart and you say, into me see. Here I am. It's a, it's a place of vulnerability. Into me see. And you're inviting God, look into my heart. God longs to have that communion with us where we're vulnerable, where we're real, where we're honest, where we pour our hearts out to him. And here's what David says. He starts with this. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He's pursuing intimacy with the Lord there. He's being real. God, you know me. Now, it makes us uncomfortable when people know our business, especially business that we're not proud of or our failures or our, our shortcomings. The more people know our business, the more uncomfortable we become. We become introverted and private about these kinds of things. And yet, I think we need to come to grips with the reality that God knows all your business. He knows all your shortcomings. He knows all your weaknesses. He knows all your struggles. He's familiar with all our ways. So there's two things we can do when it comes to that. We can 
try to hide and pretend with God that he doesn't know everything. And we end up being like in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, you know, ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat and they felt shame. They knew they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves up from each other and from God. Now, we don't sow fig leaves in our shame, but we avoid God. That's a way of, of pretending. We avoid God. We don't pray. Maybe we stop reading scriptures. We stop coming to church. We withdraw from anything that has to do with God. We do that when we fail, when we struggle. But the other right way to handle this is be real with God. Be honest with God. He knows all of our stuff. He knows everything about us. So I would say to pursue real intimacy with God is first of all to say to God, you know me. God, you know me. You know everything about me and you still love me. Like remind yourself of that. He loves, he loves us. He's not going to let us stay the same because he loves us too much to let us stay the same, but he loves us in spite of our failures. And I think God knowing us inside and out, our strengths, our weaknesses, what we love, what, we, what, we, what makes us tick, that's important. But we make a mistake sometimes. I hear people say this, that I just don't love God enough. I don't love God enough. There's a huge problem in making that statement because the problem isn't in that I don't love God enough. The problem is I don't understand his love for me enough. We don't understand his love for us. The more we bathe ourselves in understanding how much God really loves us, man, that's the game changer. He created us. He redeemed us to love us. So our number one duty is to receive his love. Every day, receive the love of God. Remind yourself of the love of God. Look at Jesus. Look at the cross. Commune with the Holy Spirit. Commune with the Father. I've been making it a practice to receive God's love, the Father's love, on my walks. And so I'll walk and just talk to God, and I'll just begin to say, Father, I receive your love. And not too long ago, I was walking and I was receiving the Father's love, and all of a sudden, I heard God say, Scott, do you love your kids? And before I could even get a, say anything back to him, I began to weep, because I knew exactly what he meant. I know how much I love my kids, and he reminded me he infinitely loves me more than I love my kids. And it was an amazing game-changer moment for me. So from that place of security, we serve God. We love God. We start with His love. The second thing to pursue intimacy with the Father is to say to God, you are with me. You're with me. You are with me. David continues, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Remind yourself daily that 
he is with you. He loves you and he is with you. Second thing in having God confidence that we continue in, in, in this psalm is believe in your real identity. Believe in your real identity. When I turned 40, I started getting mail from AARP. <laughs> At 40, you're not supposed to get that till you turn 50. And so all in my 40s, I got mail from AARP when it didn't count. They believed I was somebody else or a different age. For those of you who don't know what AARP is, for old people, basically. <laughs> Sorry, true. Um, and it was, it was, they had a false identity somehow. And I, I, think, I think identity theft is no joke, Jim. Okay, okay. Thank you, Tom Fields. Three people got that in here, but you are my bros. Um, identity theft truly happens every minute and a half in the United States, I believe. It's where somebody gets your social security, your bank numbers, all of that, and just wipe you out, completely turn your life upside down. Well, I think there's been an identity theft from the time we're born where we get false messages about who we are, false messages about God and, and who, how he sees us. And we get wounded, and then we grow up, and as adults, we're still living in some false identity trying to work it out. I think for us, we need to find out our identity in the person whose opinion matters most, and that's the Father. David continues, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. As I was putting this together, I felt led to remind somebody that you're not an accident. That was heavy on my heart. Sometimes people, you feel like you're an accident. Maybe your parents didn't plan you, but God planned you. He planned you from eternity past. You're not an accident. Your identity, when you find it in the love of the Father and the person of Jesus, you're his kid. You're his child. You're part of his family. So important. God has no illegitimate children. So say to God, you created me. Say to God, you created me. That's when you're connecting to your real identity. You're created in the image of God. You're an image bearer of God. Sometimes that image is, gets marred with, with sin and, and life and false thinking. But Jesus is, you know, is changing us to reflect his image through the gospel and what he's done. God didn't need to create us. He wasn't lonely. Jesus, the Father, Son, and Spirit, in eternal relationship together, wanted to share this perfect, others-centered love with us. And so Jesus came to this world. He undid the work of Adam that he did by his fall, and he undid that. And now we'd be found in Jesus, the true Adam, the true human. 
what humanities are supposed to be like. He came to reveal the Father, but he also came to show us what it means to really be human. And he brought us into his relationship with his Father. <laughs> Meditate on that. Is that a good relationship between the Father and the Son? It's perfect. He brought us into that relationship. Not one like it, but that very relationship. So I was thinking about David talking in here. He says, you knew me in my mother's womb. Parents with little kids or grandparents, read this to, to your grandkids and, and kids all the time. That they, God knew you in your mother's womb. There's no worry in the womb. Think about that. A little, little baby is not checking its watch. Hey, when am I getting out of here, man? I got stuff to do. It's chilling in the womb. There's no insecurities in the womb. It's total dependence. Total dependence. If you want to let your mind get boggled this Christmas season, think about Jesus, the Son of God. God became a little baby, nine months in the womb to experience everything we've experienced in life. He entered into our world just the same way we did. There are no orphans in the womb, and there's no questioning in the womb. So I would encourage all of us, don't believe the lies and the false identities. Don't believe those. I was... Uh, thinking the other day how we're protective, our protective instinct as parents or grandparents, if, if somebody was talking down to your kid, you'd say, don't you talk to my kid like that, right? We all would stand up and say, don't you talk to my kid like that. And as I was contemplating that, I thought about how much do we talk down to ourselves? Oh, you're such a loser. You're such an idiot. You're such a failure. I think God would say to you and I, stop talking about my kid like that to you and to me and to listen to what he has to say about us. And then lastly, to have God confidence, we pursue real intimacy with him and then we walk with real integrity. We walk with real integrity, the power of a clean conscience, of knowing you've come clean before God about life and failures is, 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 is powerful to walk in a clean conscience. Proverbs 29 verse 1 says that the wicked man flees when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. So the, the wicked person, no one's even following, but it's fearful. It's kind of like you and I when a police officer pulls in behind us in traffic looking at the mirror, speed limit, mirror, speed limit. Is he pulling me over? What's going on? That's all that stored up guilt of the hundred times you know you were speeding and you didn't get caught. The power of a clean conscience. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, test me, lead me. Give your guilt to God. Give your guilt to God today. He wants you to walk in freedom. And guilt is a prison. He wants us to walk in, in freedom.
Righteousness is rightness. That's what it is. Jesus is our righteousness, his, his perfection. But there is a rightness in doing what we know is right to do. That's what integrity really is. It's a, it's a wholeness. Walking in integrity is not going to be walking in perfection for any of us. But it is a pursuit of a life to do what's right. In the power of a clean conscience, we can have confidence. We can have confidence before the Father because of the Lord Jesus. We can have confidence within ourselves as we walk in integrity. I think holiness is wholeness. When we become whole in our understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done, we start pursuing not a list of do's and don'ts. I don't do this and I don't do that and a Christian can't. No, we follow Jesus. We follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. He will always lead us into rightness and righteousness. But admit it when you blow it and take responsibility. There's power in taking responsibility in the little things and the big things. So say to God, you can change me. Say to God, you can change me. There's some stuff God has his finger on in my life. I'm 54 and I'm, I'm just seeing the mirror on some areas in my life where I said, Lord, you're going to have to deroute that. Be gentle. <laughs> Be gentle, Lord. But I, I know this is painful. And he's doing it. And it's been outstanding for sanctification of my own personal growth. So search me, test me, lead me. Pray that every morning. Search me, test me, lead me. He'll be honest <laughs> with you. Now, what, what I want to do, I want to take a couple minutes. The worship team's going to lightly sing the goodness of God. And what I was wanting you to do, what I felt led for us to do, is take a moment, put away distractions. Just have a moment of reflection, you and the Lord, personal, not worrying about anything else that's going on around you. And allow the Spirit to lead your mind, to lead your heart, and just talk to him about in any area of your life that maybe you're, you're not building your life on God confidence, maybe there's self-confidence, maybe there's guilt, there's shame, there's something you need to give to him. Take a moment as we sing and allow him to do his work and then continue on. Every breath. 
stand together and let's declare the goodness of God, the goodness of the Father from our hearts. Father, as we continue this morning, you are good. Help us to sing and worship. Father, bring you honor in Jesus' name. sense of God confidence. You can have confidence before the Father because of Jesus. You can be confident in the Father's love. You can be confident in your position in his family because of our faith in Jesus and what he's done. And you can be confident that whatever life throws at you, God is with you through it all through the good times and the bad, through the difficulties. He's with you. He created you. He knows you. And he's a good father. He is good. Father, bless your people. This morning, I pray with that very thing, Lord, that we would all have God confidence. Not self-confidence or self-trust or any of that confident in who you are, who you made us to be, who you're transforming us to be. We say yes and amen. We trust you. God, I pray for anyone watching or in this room that has not embraced your love and put their faith in you that today would be the day, this moment. 
to agree with you, Lord Jesus, that you are the Lord of all and that you are the Savior of all, to come into agreement. God, I pray for those that have struggles financially, Lord, that you'd bring breakthrough. Father, those that have relationship problems, that you would bring breakthrough through the Spirit. There would be love and forgiveness that permeates all of our relationships and friendships. Let love and unity bind us together like never before, God. We know how disunified this world we're living in is, Lord, but your church can walk in unity, Lord, and that's what you call us to, love and unity. I pray for those who are going to have to travel back home, Lord, that you'd give them traveling mercy and safety as, as they go. God, I pray for those that are struggling with sicknesses and health issues. God, you're the great healer. You're the true healer. There's healing in your wings. There's power. I just want to pray and speak that healing over our bodies, over our minds. In Jesus' name, amen.